In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So he's saying, let each one consider us as we really are. We are the servants of Christ. And as clergy, we are also stewards of the mysteries of God. So God entrusted us with his mysteries, like the sacraments, like communion, baptism, confession. So we are the stewards of God to administer these mysteries. Also, the mystery of salvation. We preach the people about the mystery of salvation. So mystery is not only regarding the sacraments, but everything who was mystery and revealed to us. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. What God is requiring or asking or looking for in a steward or in a servant, like Sunday school servants, to be faithful. Do you remember when the Lord said, Who is the wise and faithful steward? So God wants each one of us to be wise and faithful. Chapter 4 here, focus on faithfulness. But with me, St. Paul is saying, with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So, St. Paul said, the least that you judge me. Yes, to listen to your feedback will be very helpful. But the end Sometimes people have false accusation against us. We should not doubt ourselves. People may put us down. People may uh, make wrong judgment about us. So there is a difference between listening to the feedback and learn from the feedback when it is constructive and when it is factual, or just make the comments of the people or the judgment of the people disturb the servant. It is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So St. Paul saying, even I cannot evaluate myself. I don't judge myself. Many times we are pleased with ourselves, pleased with our shortcomings, We don't see anything wrong in our service, although we have many, many shortcomings. So what St. Paul is saying, verse 4, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. So even when I judge myself and I say, Thank God, I do everything perfect. In Sunday school, I am doing visitation, I am preparing the lesson, I attend the meeting, I pray for my class. So 
I don't, I know of nothing against myself. St. Paul said, yet I am not justified by this. Like the Pharisee, when he entered the temple to pray and said, God, I thank you, I fast two days in the week. I tithe all my money. I do this and I do this. He did, he did not leave the temple justified. But he who judges me is the Lord. And that is a very important principle. When I evaluate myself or examine myself, how I am in the eyes of God. Total different when I judge myself according to my eyes or according to the eyes of the people. Both are wrong. But how God sees me as a servant, as a Sunday school servant. So St. Paul is giving us advice. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of hearts. Usually when we judge, we judge based on the appearance. We cannot judge based on hidden things or counsels of heart. Nobody, you don't know what's in my heart, I don't know what's in your heart. So the judgment here based on the outside appearance. That's why people, when they saw the Pharisee, he is a good man. He prays, he goes to the temple, he tithes his money, he fasts two days a week, etc. And when they saw the tax collector, they judged him as a sinner, green, greedy, sinful man, arrogant, etc. But in the eyes of God, it was the opposite. Because God knows the counsel of the heart. He knew the heart of the Pharisee and the heart of tax collector. Then each one's praise will come from God. Many people were judging Paul and Apollos, and they did not consider Paul one of the apostles of Christ because he did not see Christ in the flesh. Although Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus, but they say, if you don't see Christ, when Christ lived with us here before his ascension, then you don't, you are not apostle. That's why St. Paul is telling them, don't judge, don't judge according to the appearance. Verse 6, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. What happens in Corinth, they were divided to group, four groups. One group said, we follow Paul. Another group said, we are the disciples of Peter. Third group said, we are the disciples of Apollos. And fourth group said, like the non-denominational nowadays, we follow Christ. Forget about Peter and Paul and and Apollos. So, St. Paul actually did not like this. Especially the group who said, we follow Peter because Peter saw Christ, but Paul did not see Christ. So he said, these things I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake. When he said, 
who is Peter or he is, who is Paul? Who is Apollos or who is uh, Paul? One planted, the other watered, but God is the one who makes the increase. So he said, learn in us to th- not to think beyond what's written, that none of you may puffed up on behalf of one against the other. I cannot say, you know, I am a disciple of Paul. I am better than you because you are a disciple of Apollos. And, and Paul is greater than Apollos. So he said, no, that's wrong. Don't be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. Then verse 7 is very important to us as servants. Especially some of us, they are uh, distinguished. They have talents. For example, if you have talent in preaching, so the students like to listen to your sermons or to your lectures or to your lessons in Sunday school. Or if you are talented in uh, music and singing and choir. So he said, for who makes you differ from another? Your talents. Definitely your talents make you different from another. And what do you have that you don't receive? These talents you received from God. If you have the ability to teach well, that's a gift from God. He gave some to be teachers, as we read in Ephesians chapter uh, 4. If you are singing and you have a beautiful voice, it's a gift from God. If you know how to play well on, the, on music and to compose uh, poems and to, to make Christian songs and to make melodies, it's gift from God. So what do you have that you don't receive from God? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Why you are boasting and thinking about yourself that you have these talents and I am better than the other? Although these talents you received from God. So if you received it, you should not boast, but you should give glory to God. And you you shouldn't feel that you are better than the other. For example, uh, if Peter was one of the twelve, Paul did not have this chance. People cannot boast on behalf of Peter against Paul because Peter took this from God. Paul, God planned to make him apostle after his ascension. So you cannot be you cannot boast of something you know that God gave you. Then he said, You already full. He meant here uh, you think that you are full without us. You are already rich. You think that you are rich in your knowledge, in, in your spirituality. And and full here, full like you believe that you are full of the gifts and talents of the Holy Spirit. You have reigned as kings without us. You believe that you are, because you are the children of the king of kings, you believe that you are kings even without our preaching, without our ministry to us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign. I hope what you believe was true. Because if you really reigned with Christ, then 
that we also might reign with you. It is because of our ministry, it's because of our preaching, so we will reign with you. For I think that God has displayed to us the apostles last. And not only the apostles, but the ministers, the servants, the clergy, the Sunday school servants. Sometimes we are attacked, sometimes we are falsely accused. And, and God actually wants us to be last, as men condemned to death. He told us, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, carry your cross. Condemn, be condemned to death. Carry your cross and follow me. So he said, I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to the angels and to men. So now everyone speaks about us. And, and St. Paul wrote this before the social media. Now in, in reality, yani, the people don't have anything on the social media except to speak about the bishops, the priests, the clergy, some school servant, etc. That's what they are interested to, to speak about. So he said, we have been a spectacle to the world. Both the angels, the angels, of course, see our works and to men. Then he said, in your perception, you believe that we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. People usually, when they judge, like clergy, bishops, or priests, even sometimes the Pope, they feel they are wise and the clergy are foolish. You believe that we are weak because we don't respond to you, we don't defend ourselves, but you are strong. You have all these evidences and all these uh, documents against the clergy. You are distinguished, you believe that you are distinguished but we are dishonored. To this present hour, now he speaks about the suffering of the servant. We both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed, and beaten, and homeless. And we labor working with our hands. At that time, he was working with his hand to support his ministry. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. And see his reaction. When they reviled them, they blessed in return. When they were persecuted, they endured. Being defamed, we entreat. Uh, We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. So people put us, the servants of Christ, down all the time. Then St. Paul told them, I do not write these things to shame you, to make you feel guilty. But as my beloved children, I warn you. I'm writing all this just to warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet, yet, yet you don't have many fathers. I am your father, St. Paul is telling them. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. By preaching the gospel, to you, and you believed in Christ, I am your father. So as a father disciplines his children, I am disciplining you and warning you. Therefore, I urge you and imitate me. So this part is, is very important to us to understand the challenges 
of the ministry. Uh, and how to remain faithful in spite of all these challenges. St. Paul starts by speaking how we as a steward and servant we should be faithful. Maybe being faithful in general is an easy concept. But to be faithful in spite of all these challenges, this is not an easy concept. So St. Paul here is speaking about how to be faithful in spite of all these challenges. Actually, what will help you to be faithful? Uh, it is your relationship with God. Without actually your relationship with God, you cannot be faithful. Especially during the time of tribulation and hardship. You need comfort. You need consolation. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. How when you are reviled, how when you are defamed, you remain faithful to the Lord. So, Number one, have a strong relationship with God. And don't worry about the comments of the people. Don't worry about what they say about you. Even don't believe yourself when you look at yourself and say, I don't see anything wrong in me. But always, always care about what the Lord is saying about me, how the Lord is seeing me as a servant, faithful or not, faithful or not, wise or not. So number one, be in a strong relationship with God. This will comfort you and give you the consolation that help you to remain faithful. Number two, you need not to worry about the false accusation that comes from the people against you. Just dismiss it. What's important? How God is perceiving me. Number three, think about the blessings of being faithful. The blessing of being faithful. Uh, In um, Proverb 28, And verse 20, we read, A faithful man will abound with blessings. A faithful man will abound with blessings. So just be faithful. And God actually will bless you with earthly and heavenly blessings with earthly and heavenly blessings. Yes, with persecution. Do you remember when the Lord said, he who leaves anything for my sake will be restored hundredfold here on earth, an eternal life, but he said, with persecution on earth. Yes, there will be persecutions, but in the middle of this persecution, you have the comfort of the Holy Spirit and you have earthly and heavenly blessings. So think about the blessings of faithfulness. Also in Proverbs, the same chapter, verse 16. It says, 
a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. The, per- the person who hates covetousness, uh, actually, according to the Arabic, he who hates bribe, Mubghid al-Rashwa. So, a person who hates bribe uh, and covetousness is a faithful man and will prolong his days. God will prolong his days. The days of joy, the day of happiness. So, here actually, the days of, of happiness and joy and peace in his life will be prolonged. Also, in Psalm 101 and verse 6, One one verse six. My eyes, the eyes of the Lord, shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. So, God actually is saying, I look for the faithful of the land, that they will dwell with me. So when we are faithful. We will have our dwelling with God, and God will dwell in me. So we are blessed and honored with God. Dwells with me means what? I will receive the same honor, I see the same glory uh, of God. Also, another blessing uh, in, in Deuteronomy 25:15. Deuteronomy 25:15. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure. This means faithfulness. That your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So when you are faithful, God also will prolong your days. And uh, in, in Matthew 25, 21, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So he, here actually, when we are faithful in what's few, in, in heaven, God will entrust us by giving us more uh, commitment, uh, more responsibilities in heaven. Uh, and the last, actually, uh, verse in the book of uh, Revelation, chapter uh, 2, uh, verse 10, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So what will help us to remain faithful, especially during the time of persecution, your relationship with God, also when 
you focus only on God's opinion about you. Don't care, don't worry about what the people say about you. Yes, we need to benefit from constructive feedback. But other than this, don't worry about their false accusation. Number three, focus on the blessings. You will have earthly blessing, heavenly blessings, prolonged days. You will be honored with God. You will inherit kingdom of heaven, and God will give you more responsibilities in the life to come, in the age to come. But what is the definition of faithfulness according to the scripture? When we say, be faithful until death, What's faithfulness? Uh, number one, actually, if we see this verse, Revelation 2.10, be faithful until death, means one of the very important characteristic is to be faithful in all the journey of your life. Not in a certain time, but be faithful until death. And be faithful until death can be understood in two different ways. The first way, be faithful even if you're gonna, if they are going to kill you because of your faithfulness. But remain faithful until this. Be faithful even this persecution will end up by martyrdom. That's one meaning. The other meaning, be faithful until this, be faithful until the last breath of your life. Be faithful all the days of your life. So this is very important to, to be faithful until death. Number two, actually, we need to be faithful in everything. In everything. In Titus chapter 2, the letter of St. Paul to Titus, chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, not belaboring, but showing all good fidelity. Fidelity means faithfulness. That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. In all things. Be faithful in all things. What did he mean by adorn the doctrine of God? The doctrine of God is beautiful in themselves and we we don't need to adorn them. What St. Paul meant here that we should uh, Show the people the beauty of the doctrine of God. Like how Pope Krellus, in his life of prayer, how he showed all the world the beauty of prayer and praising God. So, adorn doesn't mean it is bad and we are adorning them, God forbid. That's his word, his commandment, his doctrine. But when we practice his commandment, we actually show the whole world the beauty of the commandment of God. And Abraham of Al-Fayyum actually showed the whole world the beauty of living the, uh, the life of giving. Uh, Pope Shenouda showed the whole world the beauty of teaching and preaching, etc. So that is that what he meant by adorn the doctrine of God. But he said, good fidelity that they adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. In all things. So faithfulness should be until death and faithfulness in all things. 
Also, faithfulness uh, in using the talents, using the gifts. In First Peter, chapter four, verse ten. He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God gives you the gift to use it and to minister it to one another, to serve others with the gift. Don't hide your gift, but use it. If you are hiding, do you know the person who took the talent and hid it? God told him, lazy and wicked servant. But those who used the talent, the one who received five talents and the other who received two talents and traded with them and made profit, God told them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over few things. I will appoint you over many things. So faithfulness also means to be faithful uh, in using the talent by serving one another. They say the talents... Uh, some people they use it as jewelry box, some or as jewelry. Some people use it as tools. What's the difference between tools and jewelry? Jewelry you use it to adorn yourself. Tools you use it to help others. So talents should be used as tools, not as jewelry. Don't use your talent for your own glory, but when you use it. To serve others, you are using it for the glory of God. Also, faithfulness in worship. In First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24. 1 Samuel 12, 24. He said, only fear the Lord. Serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Serve him in truth, according to the Arabic, serve him faithfully with all your heart. So we need to be faithful in our worship. We need to be faithful in our spiritual canon or spiritual rule in our uh, inner room, in our houses. I need also to be faithful in, in, in worshiping him in the church, uh, how to worship with spirit and truth. Also, to be faithful in every aspect in your life, like for example in work, like in Third John chapter five, verse five, the third letter of John is one chapter. So, uh, verse five in the third letter of John, we read, "Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers." So he didn't have double standard. Brethren usually in the scripture means to the believers. Strangers, the non-believers. So St. Paul is saying to guys, you do faithfully whatever you do, whatever you do, either with the brethren, with the believers, 
or for the strangers, even with the non-believers. You are faithful in every aspect in your life. Also, faithfulness means obedience to the commandment of God. If I know that I am a steward, a steward means God is the manager, God is the owner. I am just execute his will. So I need actually to be obedient to him, to do his will, not my will. Like if you read in Hebrews chapter 3, when St. Paul spoke about the faithfulness of uh, Moses, he was comparing about Moses and uh, Jesus Christ. So in verse 2, he's speaking about Jesus, who was faithful to him, to the Father, who appointed him, who appointed Jesus, as Moses also was faithful in all his house, as Moses was faithful to God. And in verse 5, he said, Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony for those things which would be spoken afterward. If you read in the book of Exodus, when God instructed Moses how to build the house, the tabernacle of meeting, Moses was very, very faithful in every detail God told him. He did not put his mind, he did not put his vision at all. Whatever God told him, measurement, material, everything, everything. And actually the details of the tabernacle of meeting were mentioned five times in the book of Exodus. Five times. As if Moses say, I did literally what God asked me to do in the tabernacle of meeting. It is the house of God. So faithfulness means obedience, as Moses was faithful. Also, faithfulness in small things not only in uh, great or big issues. In Luke uh, chapter uh, 16, the Lord said, verse 10, He who is faithful on what is least is faithful also in much. He who is faithful on what is least is faithful also in much. For example, maybe if something trivial, we say, yeah, who cares? It's not uh, sin. And I agree with you, it's not sin. But this means you are not living uh, with preciseness in, in your life. Uh, St. Paul told us, walk circumspectly not as fools, as wise, but as wise. When we let the little things go, gradually we will let also the bigger things to go. For example, if you are not faithful in fasting Wednesday and Friday, gradually you will not be faithful 
in bigger fasts like the Advent or Holy Great Fast or Fast of the Apostles. If you are not faithful in um, in the type of food you are eating, so you let uh, you can drink coffee with milk. It's okay. Yeah, uh, God will not condemn me because I drink coffee with milk on Wednesday or Friday. Yes, God will not condemn you. But letting go of these little things, actually gradually, because how you define what's little and what's not little. So what actually you accepted as little after a few time, you will consider it normal. And then you will allow yourself to compromise more, then compromising more, then compromising more, and so on. That's why the Lord put here a very important principle. He who is faithful in what's least is faithful also in much. Do you remember Daniel and the three uh, young men? They determined in their heart not to eat from the delicacies of the king. They were faithful here in what's least. As for excuses, they have many excuses. They can say you are in captivity. This is the order of the king. If we don't eat from this, we'll be in trouble. I, I have no other choice. But they remained faithful on what's least. That's why God entrusted them with uh, what's much. Also, another faithfulness, uh, principle in faithfulness, is to be faithful in unrighteous mammon, as we read in Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What is the unrighteous mammon? What is the unrighteous mammon? Now, after the fall of Adam and Eve, God cursed the, the earth, and everything here on earth became corrupted. Everything. So, everything here on earth is considered the unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon. And the true riches in heaven, in, in, in the new heaven and new earth, that will start after the second coming of Christ. So the Lord said, if you are not faithful here on earth, in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust, the true riches? How God will trust you with the true riches of the kingdom of heaven if you are not faithful here? So we need to show faithfulness. Unrighteous mammon refers to our money, our time, our talent, our uh, mind and our thoughts. Uh, everything we have it here. We need to be faithful. Also, another principle the Lord said in Luke 16, verse 12, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what's your own? Usually, usually people are careful with things that belong to others. For example, if you are renting a car, you'll be very, very careful because if you hit it, you will pay that much money for repair. But with your car, I'm, I'm not saying you are not careful 
But you have the assurance if something happened, you know, the insurance will be, I, I can take care of it. So this principle the Lord is saying, if you have not been faithful in what is another, what we have here on earth is not ours. We were born naked and will die naked. We entered into the world with nothing and will leave the world with nothing. So nothing that we say it's our, in reality it's ours. Nothing belongs to you here. We are just a steward. God entrusted me with many things. I am dealing with them as a good steward. Then when I die, I will leave everything here. So what I have here is not mine. That's why the Lord said, if you are not faithful in what's another's man, who will give you what's your own? Uh, many times, we don't actually care about what belongs to others. And this a sign of lack of faithfulness. For example, in the church, I don't care whether to keep it clean or to keep it um, organized. I allow my church, my children, to play and destroy and do this and do that here in the church. That's being unfaithful in what belongs to others. So how God will commit to my trust the true riches or what's my own? My own is the inheritance of the kingdom of God. So these are principles about uh, faithfulness. Uh, Faithfulness in obedience, faithfulness in what's least, faithfulness on what belongs to others, faithfulness in uh, the unrighteous uh, mammon. Also, faithfulness, one of the manifestations is to rely on God, not on your own power. God will give you power to serve him as a Sunday school servant. That's why he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. When you admit your weakness and you don't rely on your weakness and you trust in me, then my power will work perfectly in you. So when we rely on ourselves, not on him, then we are hindering the power of God to work perfectly in us. So are we relying on the grace of God to work perfectly in us, or are we relying on ourselves? So we need to examine our faithfulness. We need, as as Sunday school servants, we know as a good steward, we need to be faithful and wise. It's time actually every day or at least every week, once a week, you need to go over your life as a Sunday school servant. Are you praying for your class? Are you visiting and asking about them? How do you prepare your lesson? Do you take time and you invest to prepare a good meal to your children? Do you rely on your knowledge or you humble yourself before God and ask Him to help you? What's your relationship with the rest of the servant? 
What's your relationship with the uh, program? Are you uh, committed to the curriculum and you follow the curriculum or you follow your own mind? Uh, are you here, you attend the prayers meeting and the servants meeting uh, to keep the spirit of discipleship or not? Are you faithful in your spiritual canon? How you can teach your children to pray and read the scripture and fast and go to church and, and confess and you are not doing all of this. So please write points about service and what God is expecting from us as servants. And once a week, go over these points one by one and evaluate yourself according to the judgment of God. Evaluate yourself. You will find point of strength. Praise the Lord for it. You will find point of weakness or area for improvement. Ask God to help you to improve in these areas. If we give an account for our stewardship here on earth, then when we go to heaven and stand before the throne of God and ask us to give an account of stewardship, we will be ready for this difficult question. May the Lord help all of us to be faithful in our ministry, to be faithful in our relationship with Him. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.